It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, April 29, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. This weekend's upcoming Native Youth Olympics traditional games in Ketchikan have been postponed. That's after Ketchikan School District announced at least five new cases of COVID-19 among people who attended a high school wrestling tournament, the prom, and an after-party. The 10-event Native Youth Games includes tests of strength, agility, balance, endurance, and focus. They're based on hunting and survival skills of Alaska's indigenous peoples. Organizer Sea Alaska Heritage Institute said Wednesday it hopes to reschedule the Ketchikan event next month. A firm date has not been set. SHI's Northern Native Youth Olympics, scheduled for May 8th and 9th in Juneau, are still planned to proceed as scheduled. The city is still footing the bill for leftover costs associated with the former Sitka Community Hospital. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it voted to approve a $425,000 appropriation to cover expenses in the hospital's dedicated fund. The dedicated fund is used to track tobacco tax proceeds and any leftover hospital revenues. But there were some lingering liabilities associated with the account, like money owed on long-term contracts, legal expenses, and increased unemployment costs. Of the $425,000, $366,000 will cover remaining contract expenses for Cerner, a health record system the Assembly approved in 2017. The system was initially supposed to cost the city around $4 million over seven years. The hospital halted the process of installing the software when city negotiations began with the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium in 2018. Member Valerie Nelson was a lone vote against the appropriation. It will come before the Assembly for a second reading at the regular meeting on May 11th. Economic data from 2020 for Sitka are in, and the numbers show a community hit hard by job losses and revenue declines, especially in tourism and seafood. However, federal relief looks like it may have offset the worst of the damage. Economist Jim Calvin with McKinley Research presented his analysis of Sitka's economy last week. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The analysis from McKinley Research may not have been quite what the audience expected. Jim Calvin has studied Sitka's economy for years and the organization's previous incarnation as the McDowell Group. At its worst, in May of 2020, Sitka's employment was down by about 25%. Sitka is, was hit harder than most of the rest of the, of the state. Um, down 676 jobs. Um, uh, meantime, the statewide decline was about 9%, um, uh, and the Juno Juno was down 13%. Virtually all seasonal tourism jobs vanished, along with most visitors, and not just cruise passengers. In April of 2019, somewhere around 5,000 people arrived at Sitka's airport. That same month, a year later, saw only 300 enplanements. Every other sector of Sitka's economy also took hits. Hotels, restaurants, construction, retail, seafood, and government all were down. And Calvin found an economic indicator in the fishing industry that someone less familiar with the region might overlook. The number of crew licenses sold in 2020 was 31% lower in, 21, in 2020 than in 2019. That's the lowest number of crew licenses sold since 2009. Lockdowns across the country effectively closed the white tablecloth market for Alaska's premium harvests of salmon, halibut, and black cod. That, plus the challenges of safely taking on crew during the pandemic, meant that many boats were going with fewer crew, or in some cases, going it alone. Gross business sales in Sitka were down in 2020. 
but by a total of only around $15 million, from $497 million in 2019 to $392 million in 2020. Calvin said it's important to turn that number around. We care about business sales because it's business sales that generates wages and it's business sales that generates tax revenues for the city to support city services. So, moral of the story, big, big whack in business sales in the community as a result of pandemic. A big whack, but not devastation. Sitka does not look or feel depressed. The reason, according to the data, appears to be the three major federal relief packages so far. In Alaska, incredibly, personal income went up in 2020 by $1.4 billion, a little over 3%. In Alaska, as in Sitka, there was an overall drop in workplace earnings that was more than offset by so-called transfer payments, or direct payments from government. Sitka didn't benefit to quite that degree, but it's something. Add up the Supplemental Unemployment Insurance, the Paycheck Protection Program, and the economic impact payments, and Sitka's net personal income loss is only $20 million out of the $632 million in personal income in 2019. The problem, says Calvin, is the uneven distribution of the pain. Uh, impacts have not been uniform. Certainly businesses in scenic and sightseeing, other transportation businesses, um, accommodations businesses, food service establishments, drinking places, those businesses have been hardest hit for sure. And uh, lower wage earners have been hit hardest by a substantial margin. Calvin says that three quarters of Sitka residents collecting unemployment insurance had earnings of less than $40,000 annually prior to the pandemic. In a typical year, in a typical economic presentation, Calvin would devote more attention to broader economic trends like Sitka's demographics. He did mention that the community's slow population slide continues and that Sitka could be down to around 8,100 people by 2030. But this time, he concluded with the big question of the pandemic. What are the long-term economic impacts of COVID? Will the positive vaccination trend end the pandemic and stimulate a spending boom? Or will the trillions in debt incurred by the country trigger a round of inflation? Calvin deferred the answer to Yogi Berra, who said it's dangerous to make forecasts, especially about the future. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. You can find a link to the McKinley Research Report on Sitka's economy at our website, kcaw.org. Alaskans all over the state are reporting getting calls from the U.S. Marshals Service threatening to charge or arrest people unless they hand over money. The U.S. Marshals Office says it's a scam. As KTOO's Matt Miller reports, it's a variation on phone scams that have been circulating in the rest of the country for years. Here's the message that Alaskans from various parts of the state have been getting. So now in order to connect to U.S. Marshals Office, please press 1 and your call will connect it to your case concern officer. Also, please Laurel Andrews of Fairbanks got that message. I didn't call them back. I considered it, but I don't want them to have my number on their list or however it works. Alaskans may be getting flooded with these calls, but they're actually not new. They're part of a scam that swept nationwide for the last several years. Usually the person being called is threatened with criminal charges or arrest if they don't hand over checking account or credit card numbers or personal information like a social security number to the U.S. Marshals Service. 
we wouldn't call you and, and warn you that we're coming. We would, <laughs> so we would be knocking on your door. That's Deputy U.S. Marshal Rochelle Ledyke, who says they've received hundreds of reports from Alaskans about the fraud. The phone calls sometimes appear spoofed, which is when they look like they're from a local phone number. First of all, if you don't recognize the number coming into you, don't answer the call. Let it go to voicemail. Do not respond to that voicemail. Again, this is not a actual U.S. Marshal's office contacting you. Please do not push any buttons. Do not provide any information to them. Just hang up on the call. Ledyke says their office in Anchorage has been jammed with calls from Alaskans asking or notifying them about the scam. But she says the U.S. Marshal Service cannot investigate the calls. Neither can any local police department. The scammy calls may come and go in waves. So Ledyke urges Alaskans to go to the FBI's Internet Crime Complaints Center or report fraud at the Federal Trade Commission website, especially if someone suspects they may have become a victim. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Matt Miller. Heli skiing is a big business in Haines, and now it's heading into Skagway after the Bureau of Land Management granted permits to Temsco helicopters. The, the highest peak out in that range is, is the highest point in the Skagway borough at just over 8,200 feet in elevation uh, at the peak. And, um, and yeah, the, the ski runs can vary from, you know, 1,000 feet long to 4,000 feet long, depending on where they're skiing and what they're doing. That's Temsco Helicopters base manager in Skagway, Kelly Healy. The company recently secured federal permits to access land managed by the BLM in the mountains to the west of town for heli skiing and boarding. Healy says there are some runs in those mountains that haven't been ridden in years. Um, there is there is train out there to the west of Skagway that is um, has not really been skied very much. Uh, there were skiers, you know, over 20 years ago out there, but uh, since then there hasn't really been any activity on that land. The heli skiing season usually runs from February through April, Healy says, but with warmer weather this April, operations have already shut down. He says heli skiing could be an economic driver for Skagway, as it has been in neighboring communities. This would be welcome news for Skagway's sluggish wintertime economy. Haynes heli ski industry has, has really caught on and is is, uh, is doing well and is, seems like a successful kind of industry for that town and, and it would be nice to to uh, kind of boost Skagway's shoulder seasons and, and, uh, and capitalize on a little different type of visitor. That kind of visitor may visit for a week or just a couple of days. They may go out for an hour or all day. Healy says high-profile athletes have been frequent visitors to the mountains around Skagway, but he also says he shouldn't name any names. I'm Aaron Fulton and this has been Raven News.